deeply grateful uh, for what the Lord is doing in our lives. Good to see you here in the room. Thanks for being, joining with us online on our online campus. Um, I, I was going to right now call for a, a video, but I just don't think it's the right thing to do. So let me just encourage you in this. Um, Pastor Chris is talking a little bit about the last Sunday of June and how for more than two decades now, you know, we've been doing this destiny celebration and people in our community have come to know us as the fireworks church because of this. And uh, it's always a great celebration every year, just celebrating what the Lord is doing. And um, I want to encourage you to understand something when we, uh, this is one of the times of the year that we do water baptism. And water baptism is more than just a symbolic expression of your salvation, uh, which is kind of the way it's been framed to me growing up and hearing, you know, what I heard about baptism. This is not just symbolic of going under the water, identifying with the death and burial, coming up out of the water, identifying with the resurrection of Christ. All that's true. But what we have to understand is the origin of water baptism actually goes all the way back into the New Testament, uh, in the Old Testament, where the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt, and the first thing they did is pass through water, and everything that had held them captive was, was destroyed in the water that day. The bondages of their lives and their ancestors were destroyed in the water that day. So when we go through water baptism together, what we're saying is there are entanglements that have been aligned with my life. There are, I mean, you know, there are generational curses that God can break off of our lives. There have been things that, that my dad and his dad contended with. And then when, when I became a Christian, my dad became a Christian, we just came together and said, no more. There will be no more of this giant remaining in the land after our generation. We're going to confess our weakness and our sin to each other and believe God for that to be redeemed and restored. How many know God is able to do exactly what I'm talking about? And when we go through those waters, in many ways what we do is we combine our faith and we say we're going under that water and declaring all that is dead. I mean, the only mourner at the funeral of the new believer's life is the devil. He's mourning your loss from his kingdom. And you come up, and I believe the entanglements are broken, and God wants us to understand that. And the Israelites then passed through water a second time, and that's why we endorsed the idea. Some people got baptized and didn't really understand what was going on. But the Israelites went through the River Jordan at flood stage in a time where it required something of faith for them to go into a greater place of promise. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, just as you're praying about your journey, your faith, if you have any sense of maybe this is something that I'm to walk through, then fill out a Connect card uh, and let us reach out to you and talk with you a little bit about the significance of water baptism as we walk that out in the last Sunday of, uh, of this particular month. Ha! Huh. Isn't it just amazing to realize, like, we're not here doing something for him, like, we're here participating with him. Isn't that cool? It's awesome. That's the way our devotions should be. You know, we're not getting up in the morning, reading our Bible, doing something for him. We're actually getting up, encountering him, experiencing him, enjoying him as our way of life. We go through our day, and we've initiated conversation. You know, God's a real conversationalist. He sent his son, the Word, 
He said, I want to have a word with you, so I'm going to send my son to dwell among you as the word that will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it stands and will awaken conversation in the earth so that my sons and daughters of God, in particular in the last days, are going to begin to prophesy and the word or the words of God begin to be awakened in profound and powerful ways. That's the hour I believe God's wanting us to step into as the church. So we're focusing in this season of spiritual wellness, and I think it's significant that we understand when you're spiritually well, you're supernaturally empowered. It's just the naturally supernatural thing for the sons and daughters of God to experience. And so spiritual wellness, are you spiritually well? Uh, In your life, do you feel that you are spiritually healthy and spiritually well? And our focus has really been understanding the orphan spirit that took place when Adam, a son of God, was separated from God his father. And that orphan spirit then began to plague humanity throughout the generations until Jesus came and he introduced humanity to God his father, where the, we then began to be restored in a relationship with our heavenly father. In fact, Jesus himself spoke of the orphan spirit or the orphan mindset. And how many of you know, once you get free from the orphan spirit and you come to know Christ and God is your father, you still then have to contend with the orphan mindset, even if you're not being held by the orphan spirit. And I believe that it's probably the case that all of us in this room deal with an orphan mindset more than what we realize. An orphan mindset causes us to to, uh, be easily distracted with all kinds of counterfeit affections, with various addictions with all kinds of escapisms, with hyper-religious activity in some effort to impress God or to cause Him to love us more because we've not come into a confident place of understanding our Father loves. You are fully known by God. You are fully loved by God. We spent a whole year working on that a few years back. God knows everything about you, and He loves you completely. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, isn't that amazing? There's something so fascinating about being fully loved and something so terrifying about being fully known. How many of you got some secrets you'd rather we not broadcast on the screen up here this morning? And God still loves you 100%. It's a beautiful, beautiful reality. So Jesus said in John 14, this has been the contextual scripture for us, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I'll not leave you as orphans. I'm going to introduce you to the Father's love, and the Father then is going to begin to redeem the orphan mindset out of you. You're going to find security. You're going to find certainty. You're going to find strength. In in moments of temptation, just like Jesus did, rather than giving in to the temptation, he turned to the presence of the Father every single time. That's what a son or daughter of God learns to do as we walk this thing out together. Jesus is always trying to deal with what's going on within us because what's going on within us is the key to transforming the world around us. And I really want to challenge you today just to think this through uh, as we're going to take an approach of just looking at a prayerful progression of a particular text of Scripture um, once I introduce this to you. But it really is important that we understand, and I'm going to say the statement again because it's actually on your live notes, for, uh, or if you've got one of the handouts, it's one of your blanks. And I have people after service sometimes come and, and tell me that I didn't give them the answer to the blanks, and they might not go to heaven if they don't get all the answers in all the blanks on the cards. So I want to make sure everybody has the chance to go to heaven. The church is being transformed from a room 
of consumers being led by a minister into a room of ministers being led by God together as a family. It's kind of funny, but I have felt uh, over the years there's been such a strong prophetic um, atmosphere in our church. And there was a season there where um, I could tell there was a real shift with me personally. In fact, when I would go out and speak somewhere, there was a lot of prophetic expression taking place. But when I would come back, um, there wasn't so much. And then people in the church would start to say, I saw online that you were doing this prophecy thing. And uh, why aren't we doing that here? And, um, and it's even less now. And I've been asking the Lord, you know, what's going on? Am I losing my edge? Uh, and I feel like what the Lord is saying is it's time to stop celebrating the platform ministry and start awakening the people. And, and I believe that gifts in the platform actually should only be used to activate and awaken God's family and God's people. If we're not careful, we showcase ministry and showcase gifts in a way that it not only doesn't mobilize people, but it paralyzes them. Because they feel like, well, I don't know if I could ever be used like that. So there's just a shift going on in the church, and I just have to say, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I am all in. Whatever this needs to be, I am all in. I want to see the church really start to be everything God has designed her to be, us to be. So um, we really do all face problems. Uh, how many of you have a problem that you've faced once upon a time? Can I just see? Um, you know, sometimes... Uh, we face problems when we're looking in the mirror. We see one of our greatest problems right there. But, uh, you know, we all face problems. And the thing that I want to encourage you to understand is like God's awakening something in this season of the church where we as men and women of God start to function in more of the currency of God's kingdom. Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And there's something of faith that actually uh, activates and awakens um, transformation to take place in the kingdom of God. So what we have to do is learn to cultivate this atmosphere of faith in our lives and walk this out in a powerful and a profound way. Um, so I, I thought about this just in terms of if you've flown much on an airplane, then you know turbulence is just kind of a normal part of flying and some flights won't have uh, too much. Uh, Didi could give us a few uh, tips on what it is to uh, experience turbulence as Dee Dee has been a flight attendant uh, in her former life. So, um, you know, the, the turbulence comes and the turbulence goes, right? And if you've, flown, if you've flown much when the turbulence hits, then you know it's just a little turbulence and you don't really think that much about it. But I've sat next to people before who hadn't flown very much and a little bit of turbulence would cause a great reaction on their part. Uh, one particular individual took his seatbelt and he wrapped it around his hand and he pulled it so tight, I, I don't think he could hardly breathe. And, and his, I mean, the blood was, you know, seemed to be cutting off from his fingers and his, hand, his eyes were closed, his hand was clenched. And I mean, I, I was just thinking, my goodness, we barely hit any turbulence here, friend. I mean, I hope we don't hit anything. Well, I kind of hope we do, actually. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Did the seat get wet or I don't know what happened, but... But, you know, I, I mean, I just remember thinking, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And then, then there was another time I thought about, and I'm, I'm sitting in an aisle seat, and, um, and the flight attendant is right there beside me, and the turbulence got so bad 
that like everything was jostled, all the luggage was jostled, people were screaming, the plane just dropped, the, the flight attendant literally fell to her knees right there on the floor beside me, grabbing the arm of my seat. That's how bad it was. Like if you freak out a flight attendant with turbulence, then you freak, you've done something, right? Because they're really used to this. She was there and I said something to her like, while you're down there, you might as well pray. You know, I was trying to make light of the situation. Uh, and so once it kind of calmed a little bit, she got up and ran to her seat, and they've got these straps, you know, and, and she got strapped in. And I, I just, I thought about this, and I want to just say, even in that situation, you can still have perfect peace and confidence in God if you learn to pay attention to God's voice more than your turbulence in your life. The doctor's report might be so turbulent that those that are hearing it scream and someone falls to their knees and they're terrified and fearful, even in that turbulent situation, if you can learn to pay attention to the voice of God more than the voice of the medical report, if you can learn to pay attention to the voice of God more than the voice of the boss or the job situation. If you can learn to pay attention to the voice of God more than you can pay attention to the voice of the media that's screaming for your attention because it will keep their ratings up if they can keep you freaked out and tuned in because you don't want to miss. I mean, do you understand? If you can learn to tune into the voice of God as the loudest voice, as the most precise voice of your life, then you can walk through turbulent situations without having to lose your mind and lose your disposition as a son or daughter of God. You can walk in total confidence with the Lord your God. I just want to reiterate it again. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. And the atmosphere of God's word in our lives has the power to transform us and everything around us. The atmosphere of God's word in our lives. I want you to think about what I'm saying. The atmosphere of God's Word. How do I get the atmosphere of God's Word active in my life? I'm reading the Word. I'm memorizing the Word. I'm quoting the Word. I'm declaring the Word. I'm listening to the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I am allowing my life to begin to cultivate an atmosphere where God's Word is shaping my paradigm more than any other shaping taking place to my mindset. The atmosphere of God's word in our lives has the power to transform us and everything around us. Now think about this because Jesus never encountered a single problem that he didn't have full power to conquer. We believe in the power of prayer. We also understand the power of problems. And if you give your attention to the power of problems more than you give your attention to the power of prayer, then Problems will be more powerful than the voice of the Lord in your life. But if you give yourself to the power of prayer more than you give yourself to the power of problems, then the voice of the Lord and the atmosphere of God's Word will help you sail through any storm, and you'll be able to rise up in the midst of that situation and say, Peace, be still in Jesus' mighty name. 
There was not a single problem Jesus encountered that he didn't have the power to conquer. But there was a particular community that the Bible says Jesus could not do many miracles there. And if you look into this, what you'll see, it was because of their unbelief. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's pretty important that you and I cultivate an atmosphere of embracing and rehearsing the Word of God as a practice, as a way of life. Not because of how we have a religious obligation, but because we're wanting to awaken our inner man to a place of greater strength than our outer man that is fighting against our inner man. How many of you know you have an outer man, you have an inner man, and they are, they are opposed to each other? They're at war. This is just Scripture I'm talking about. Uh, the Bible's very clear about what I'm talking about. Um, you know, the, the things I want to do, they're not the things I do. And the things I find myself doing, those aren't the things I want to do. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? I'm just quoting Scripture to you up here. And there's something powerful when we start to declare God's word and, and that begins to shape our comprehension and our understanding. You don't really need my clever five points about how to build your faith. You just need to get in the word of God with your father and let him begin to awaken something within you that will transform not only you, but will impart the power within you to conquer every problem you will ever face in your life in Jesus' mighty name. So I want to talk to you about this really long chapter in the Bible. This particular chapter references the Word of God more than 170 times. This particular chapter, when Jews celebrate Passover, even today, the conclusion of that celebration is to read these, uh, I believe, 176 verses of Scripture. It's all about the Word of God, all about the law of God, all about the precepts. I mean, there, I, I noticed it one day just reading that it just almost every single verse, in fact, some verses more than once, reference the precepts, the law, the Word, the, the truth. And so I just started circling everywhere, and I realized, man, I've got the whole chapter circled. And so I started exploring this, and even recently, as I felt like the Lord was saying, Today is a day that he's preparing us as the church to step into the next dimension of the call of God on our lives. And in doing so, we're going to have to have another measure of faith. Because you realize when you go to a level, how many of you are ready for God to take you to the next level? Can I get an amen? When you step into the next level, that breakthrough is not a resting place. That breakthrough is picking a fight on a brand new level with brand new enemies. So you've got to prepare your faith to get where God's going to take you to be able to fight, or you're going to just fight, you're going to think your way back down every single time you get there. And so here we're looking at this particular chapter of Scripture, and it's amazing. It's Psalms 119, if you haven't figured it out. It's the infamous uh, verse that you've heard, thy word. Here it's, it's always talking about the word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, Psalm 119.11. And the reason that the conclusion of Passover was the reading of these 176 verses is because it's all about the law. And after the Passover, when the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt, they went into the wilderness where Moses went up on the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments, the law, the word. So there's this celebration of we've come out. And the power that got us out is the power that takes us in. But the power that takes us in is unlocked by the embrace and the reality and the revelation of God's word. 
I, I hope you're processing what I'm saying more than, again, just inspirational rhetoric. Let there be substance and impartation, Lord, from your heart to ours. That a, a renewed appetite for, uh, and a hunger for your word would be awakened within us that would begin to, we would walk that out in a powerful and profound way in the mighty name of Jesus. So here's David writing this chapter, and there are these prayers through this progression. This morning, I just took some time just to read this chapter. It takes almost 20 minutes to read it, uh, if you read it and think about it. And there are these, these prayers in, the, in this portion of Scripture, and I, I want to I want to just pray these prayers today. It's, it's just want to pray into what God's revealing in his word. Psalms 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. This is a Bible author writing what we now see as his word revealed to us. And the Bible author is saying, Lord, I need you to open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. There are wonderful things in the Bible. But we will not see these wonderful things without the supernatural work of God in our lives. I know what it was like to be lost and disinterested and unawakened to anything about Scripture. It's just this dead book, religious book, had no interest. All of a sudden, anybody relate to this? Like if you became a Christian when you were adult like I did, there was something that shifted in my life and all of a sudden like this Bible that had no meaning suddenly became a treasure that had true meaning and I could not get enough. As I was reading it, it suddenly came alive. What was happening? God was drawing me in to a greater understanding understanding of the revelation and the treasure of his word. Lord, open our eyes that we may see the wonderful things in your law. God has to do a work. God has to do a work uh, or we are blind to what he's desiring for us to know and see and read and understand in his word. So I'm saying right now in this room, God, open our eyes. I'm saying right now in every room that's tuned in with us online, God, open our eyes that we might see the wonderful things in your law. Would you say amen and receive that over your own life? Open our eyes, Lord God, that we might see the wonderful treasures of your word. Help us to see. Lord, without your help, we'll never see it. But with your help, we begin to treasure and value your word in Jesus' mighty name. If you're reading your Bible and you can't see the treasure of Scripture, purpose to make some time to pray and ask God to help you by opening your eyes to see what he's desiring for you to possess. Some people just resolve the Bible is boring. I want to just encourage you, do not be content with that conclusion. A Bible author had to pray. God, open my eyes to the treasure of your word. Don't be content with the erroneous conclusion. It's a deceptive conclusion that's actually being drawn from your outer man when your inner man is starving for what God's desiring to feed. In other words, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God Almighty. I'm hungry today. Open our eyes, God, that we may see the wonderful treasures of your word. Verse 12, Lord, teach me your statutes. What a simple prayer. 
teach me your statutes. God, would you teach us your word? Lord, would you teach us your word? I am not the teacher in the room today. You are the teacher in the room. I thank you, Lord, for the insights that you give into our lives as humans, but ultimately, it's only to awaken the voice of the Spirit of God to teach your sons and daughters, teach us your word, in Jesus' name, amen. True learning of God's word is only possible if God himself becomes the teacher. And the Bible actually says in John chapter 6, verse 45, they will all be taught by God. And I love that they will all be taught by God because how many of you know all means all of us? We are all being taught by God. God is constantly giving us his instruction. By his spirit of God, he's trying to awaken something of his word within you. Education doesn't mean put in. Education means draw out. Ex ducos means draw out. He deposited in you what he wants to awaken from the beginning of time. And if we're willing to respond, there's something in us like the seeds of reality that exist from eternity actually starts to come alive and you cannot contain it when it starts to come alive within you. You're ready to explode and you're ready to expand because that's what's happening. The kingdom of God is expanding and growing and getting bigger and it happens from the inside out. Lord, teach us your word. They will all be taught by God, John 6, 45. Isaiah 54, 13 says, and all your children will be taught by God. Isn't that a great promise? How many of you want your children to be taught by God? But what we have to understand is we do not multiply what we want to multiply. We multiply who we are. So you must learn to be taught by God in order to multiply your children being taught by God. And he can help you do that if you pray these prayers and say, Lord, we can't see it without you. Help us to see it. Help me to see it. Help me to, to have this sense of an awakening of the power of your word in my life that I might impart that into the next generation as well. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts. Make me, I like that, make me understand the way of your precepts. God, make us understand your word. Whatever it takes, Lord, That's a tough one. Because what, what could happen in the momentum of that moment, I could say, how many of you would say whatever it takes, and you would say amen, and we would have this inspirational rhetoric that's more in control than the reality of the sobering perspective of whatever it takes, God, get my attention. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Oh, that is a prayer. Whatever it takes, Lord. What are, I don't just want you to have my attention, Lord. I want you to have my affection. He doesn't just want your attention. He wants your attention and he wants your affection. I'll never forget Tracy sitting at the dinner table one time and we were talking and, uh, and I don't remember if it was Faith or Lexi. We'll just say it was Lexi because she's sitting here right now and she loves the spotlight so much. And so they're sitting there at the table and, and Lexi was doing something and Tracy was talking to her and, and Lexi was doing something and Tracy was talking to her. And I, I, saw, I saw the storm coming. How many of you ever know what's going on? And so I saw that Tracy was not getting the response that she was wanting from child in the room and, and the, the, probably a phone or something. They were pretty young. And, and I saw all of a sudden uh, Tracy goes over and she grabs the, the cheek. Have you ever done this? She grabs the cheeks and she goes, 
And she snatched the thing out of the hand first and grabbed the cheek. She, she said, I want you to listen to me when I'm having a conversation with you. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that to your child? Can I just see? <laughs> wow. Called DHS on every one of y'all. I believe that our lives are so full of distraction, God sometimes has to snatch something out of our hands and grab our cheeks and pull it. Lord, whatever it takes, draw our attention to you. Lord, if there are things that we're distracted with, I'm praying a dangerous prayer right now. If you dare, just say amen as I pray. Lord, if there are things that we're distracted with, destroy them. Lord, if there are things that are distracting us from our attention and our affection being given to you, take them from us. Remove them from our lives. Lord, whatever it takes, we want our undivided attention and our undivided affection to be given in your direction because we love you and we want to love you well. We want to love you more. Whatever it takes, Lord, I pray, make us understand your way. Verse 36, Psalms 119, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Your outward man and your inward man are not in harmony. I've already reiterated this enough, but very clearly, deep within you is the God-given ability to do what pleases the Lord. And it's your outer man that fights against that. Your flesh on the outside, your earth suit, is inclined in the wrong direction. These two natures are inclined to move in opposite directions. And David's prayer is saying, Lord, awaken a hunger in my heart toward your word, regardless of what those natural inclinations may be. And then I'm going to give you just one final, one final word. Um, I, my nose is running, and I have no tissue. Before I give you a final word. Anyone have a tissue up? One that's not been used preferably. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. You didn't use it? Did Lexi spit on it? I was talking about her. <clears throat> We're just all family here, right? <laughs> Psalms 119, verse 176. And the worship team, uh, you can come. Let me read this verse first before we move. And the reason I want to do that, I want to learn to value his word, even sometimes in the physical posture that I'm reading it. Just, just sometimes, sometimes I'm reading, praying, and I, and I just think, you know what? I'm just not into this enough. I'm not where I need to be engaged. And I'll just get on my knees on the floor in my house. And I'll read or I'll pray just, just to posture myself. So I'm just asking the worship, let me read the verse and then, and then come. Just that we're giving undivided attention. Every single one of us, particularly before you even stand up here and begin to express what Lord's desiring you express. Verse 176, David concludes Psalms 119. All these beautiful prayers. God, you're so amazing. How I many know oh God's so amazing? My heart's being awakened to you. And what does he say? I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. God, seek after us when we go astray from your word. Go ahead, if the team would come. God, 
seek after us when we go astray from your word. Your word have we hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against you. God, teach us your word. Would you teach us your word so that we would all be taught by God and that our sons and daughters would be taught by God. Lord, make us understand your word. Make us understand. Snatch whatever needs to be snatched out of our possession. If it's become a distraction, Lord, we don't want it more than we want you. We want you more than anything. God, incline our hearts to your word. May our hearts be inclined in your direction. Holy Spirit, seek after us when we go astray. Seek after us when we go astray. And draw us back into a true and sincere pursuit of God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's stand together. This godly man, author of Scripture, crying out for deeper appetite for the things of God, ends this chapter with a confession of sin and a need for God to come after him to bring him back. This is something we need to pray again and again. Lord, draw me deeper. Draw me deeper. I'm going to ask you this week for your actionable expression of what we're receiving from the Lord to sit with the author as you explore the book. Turn the page this week. Get an old-fashioned Bible. Start in the book of Genesis. Every day, turn the page. Write the date at the top of the page. Write birthdays, anniversaries, child's first step. It becomes a tremendous heirloom for you to give to your children and your children's children one day. Their faith will be impacted after you're gone. I really believe it is a God-given idea for us as a family. And I want to ask you this week, press in every day. Just turn the page, get in the Word, and pray these prayers. Lord, teach me your Word. I mean, this is all on the blog. Everything's there. You can go through and look at these, or you can just go right to the, I mean, it's a novel thought. Go right to the Bible yourself and read Psalms 119 and just explore not only the prayers I've highlighted today, but all the prayers throughout that particular chapter. It's a beautiful dissertation of a man who's pursuing the heart of God that can awaken that pursuit even within our own lives. You know, Jacob wrestled with God in order to experience God's blessing. And I do want to just challenge you to know, sometimes you must wrestle with God to receive what God desires for you to possess. The Bible says God gives to us as a possession. That means you've got to press in at times just to maybe go a little deeper uh, than what you've typically been going. Because there's just, you sense there's another, another level God's wanting you to encounter and experience. Just wrestle with the Lord in places of prayer. Wrestle with the Lord in places of reading His Word. Wrestle with the Lord in connecting with others, saying, I'm struggling in this area of my life. Just wrestle with the Lord that you might press in and really connect with what He's desiring for you to possess. Lord, I know that every person in this room is in a different place on the journey of faith and knowing you. Every person online is in a different place of just knowing you, walking with you. I do believe that you have our attention. 
and that you're drawing our attention and our affection into deeper places. So wherever all of us are, I pray that each of us would take one step forward to awaken faith in our hearts on another level. For some people, that's their first step. They've not accepted you. They've not given their life to Christ. They've not surrendered to who you are as our risen king who lived and died and buried and risen from the grave and you're alive today having a conversation with us in this moment. For some, that's the first step to say, Lord, I accept who you are as not only the Savior of the world, but as my Savior. Come on. Do you agree with that and believe that? Would you just say amen really loud? Amen. He is our Lord and Savior. For some, that's the first step, but for all of us, whatever the step looks like, Lord, we're just going to ask you to take us there. We're going to ask you to help us to know what that step might be. That step might be fasting and praying this week in a particular way. That step might be just waking up a little earlier just to get into your word and be alone with you. That step might be specifically purposing a prayer walk every day at a certain time of the day just to go and spend time with God Almighty. Whatever it looks like, we want to just say, Lord, we are hungry for more. So we surrender our hearts to you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.